Hey, what is going on? Hope everyone had a fantastic Christmas. I know this guy here did. Welcome to another episode of Outside the Shoot. I'm your host, Randy Frame. With this being the last episode of 2023, I want to personally say thank you to all those that have tuned in to listen to all the great interviews over the past year. We had a little break there over the summer, but have come back in full force, and the response has been amazing. We have some big guests lined up already for 2024, so the softball content that's going to be pushed out here is going to be awesome. Trust me when I say you're not going to want to miss it. How do you not miss it? Click on that follow button, that's how. Whatever platform you're listening to us on, just click follow, give us a rating, you know, preferably a good one. (laughs) It would definitely be appreciated. What a great episode we have for you this week as we sat down and chatted with Louisiana Tech alum and current member of both Canadian women's national team for baseball and softball, the one and only Zoe Hicks. Zoe has burst onto our international scene here in Canada in the past year by being named to both the women's baseball national squad, where she was named the team's most valuable player, as well as the women's softball team, where she played a big role in helping them win a bronze medal at the Pan Am Games last month in Chile. Zoe also works in the Los Angeles Dodgers organization, where she worked in their technology department before adding in more infield duties this past season down in the Arizona Complex League. We're going to talk to Zoe about getting her start in the game, her journey through college at Iowa State, Buffalo, and Louisiana Tech, being named to the national teams, of course working with the Dodgers, and much, much more. Zoe was an absolute pleasure to chat with. I'm so excited to see what's in store for her moving forward, both on and off the field. No doubt there are big things in store. With that being said, this is Outside the Shoot and Anything Goes. I've got the world in my palm. Lights, camera, action, it's on. I can't describe what I'm feeling. Ain't never felt this freedom. I've got the world in my palm. Lights, camera, action, it's on. Ain't never felt this freedom. Could you, could you say that? have on with us today louisiana tech alum current member of the softball and baseball canadian women's national team the one and only zoe hicks so thanks so much for coming on the podcast yeah thank you for having me how are things going out in calgary today uh pretty good we're actually really warm in calgary so (laughs) wow like no snow (laughs) like no type of winter to be seen so it's actually, it's really nice. Yeah. Holy I really shit. like sweat going outside. Yeah. yeah. We're on the, like, you know, we're um Nova Scotia and yeah. usually it's, you know, somewhat all right, but it's minus 15 right. outside today. Like, Oof. come on. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Right. And, and then three days ago it was plus 14 and torrential rain. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, typical maritime weather, but uh, yeah. Yeah. For oh, sure. well. yeah I, well, I gotta say, I mean, you may be the most interesting guest that we've had on when it comes to everything that you've done and, you know, doing in your life. I mean, two national teams, like I mentioned, living in Europe, having a podcast, working with the Dodgers, playing in the expedition league. This is, I, I feel this is going to be one of those episodes where we're all over the map and I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of been a wild ride and I'm enjoying it so far, so we'll just keep it rocking. Right on. So, I mean, uh, you, the podcast, of course, it's uh, more than 5%, and you guys are on a little hiatus right now, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. We kind of 
um, wrapped it up, I would say, after the first season. It's almost like a mini series now mm. of 12 episodes. Um, we both got really busy with our personal lives and our playing careers. So it definitely was a labor of love for both of us. We really loved doing it. We were really passionate about it and talking about more women in sports and their stories. But yeah, I mean, Carly just signed to play with PWHL Toronto and then I'm kind of all over the place with two national teams. So it really didn't work out for us at that point to continue it, but we really enjoyed what we did make and what we did put out there. Right on. A lot of work to it, eh? Absolutely. Yeah. It was way more than I thought. It's like, it's honestly like a part-time job, like the hours of editing and stuff. I did not anticipate that, but definitely something that I enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. It is a lot of fun. I will say that. Yeah. And uh, speaking of Carly, fellow Nova Scotian, Carly Jackson, pro goal. Absolutely. Yeah. With, like yeah. you said, with Toronto, I mean, uh, so how, how, how does that, how that, how's that relation chip go like i mean how, how do you know carly yeah so we start we uh, met playing baseball against each other i would say in 2018 um we were at the women's nationals in stonewall manitoba and she was playing nova scotia i was playing manitoba and we just you know got to chatting uh we're good friends now um have been for a couple of years so just have stayed in contact stayed supporting each other's um athletic careers and nice. you know just kind of wanted to come together and kind of use the resources we had of like me on the baseball softball side and um, her on the hockey side. So to be able to talk to athletes and get their experiences. So it kind of was just a natural kind of authentic uh, partnership from there. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Also, I got to throw it a, you know, a big congrats on the newest member of the Mizuno family. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. That is an absolute dream come true. Uh, I never, in my wildest dreams thought that I'd be sponsored by a brand like Mizuno and, and be able to use their, their equipment. So it's just, it's been, it's been hard wrapping my brain around and like really appreciating what's been coming, but yeah, it's really exciting news for me. So were you, did, did you talk to Adam as far as wrapping that whole thing up? Yeah. Yeah. Adam, Adam has been my point of contact. So it's been awesome getting to know him and the Mizuno family and to be able to jump in with my teammates, you know, Janet and Emma, yeah. Larissa and Nat are all part of Mizuno. So to be able to join them and kind of continue the work that they're doing, um, it's been incredible. Nice. Nice. Hopey, my, my co-host that's with me on the, when I do the male side of things, uh, him and I actually, we got, we golf with Adam in September here in Nova Scotia. We, so oh, I, I, I got to meet with Adam and such a great, awesome. such a great dude, man. And oh, yeah. awesome. that guy can hit a golf ball. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Holy I shit. I love that. That's so funny. <laughs> it's all, oh, man, he can, he can hit a golf ball, but yeah, no, that's awesome that you're, you're a part of that Mizuno family. Cause I mean, we've had like, like you mentioned all the, all those other uh, members, we've had them on the podcast and all great ambassadors to Mizuno. For sure. Yeah. yeah. No, it's awesome to be able to join them with that. Absolutely. So you're ready for Christmas or what? Yes, I am done Christmas. Are I you? have finished all my Christmas shopping. All of my Christmas gifts that are purchased for like my family that aren't around me have been sent out in the mail. Everything is done. Everything is wrapped. I've been done for a couple of days now. So I am going nowhere near the mall, nowhere near anything to do with Christmas up until Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. That's when all the festivities are planned for. Mm -hmm. But I am finished. Christmas is over. We're going to just enjoy it now. Enjoy the food and the snacks. But I am done. Lucky you. <laughs> I was, out, I was yeah. out this afternoon. My wife and I had to go out for and it was, oh my God, it was a shit show out there. It was crazy. I, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. Oh, I wish. It, well, the worst thing is she asked me today. She's like, did 
what are you getting your father? And I was like, what? You didn't get anything? Like, usually I leave everything up to her for getting, getting present. I shouldn't, but I do. Yeah. And I was like, oh no. So we had to, I mean, my dad's going to hear this now after. <laughs> yeah. tell you, like, what, you didn't have me a Christmas present yet? No, sorry, dad, I did not. But uh, yeah. yeah, I wish I was ready for Christmas. Tomorrow I'll be ready. I can say I'll, after tomorrow I'll be, I'll be good to go. And, and, you know, then I can calm down just like you are and enjoy yeah. it. Enjoy it. Yeah. Um, for sure. So just like you and Carly like to kick off the, your episodes with good shit. Mm-hmm. We, we like starting off ours with quick pitches. I'm going to throw out some questions to you. They're random. And okay. You answer them as best you can. Okay. Absolutely. Let's All do right. It. First one. First one I always start off with. If you had to live off one food for a week, which one is it? Ooh. One food for a week. I would probably say mac and cheese. <laughs> Solid. I love some mac and cheese. <laughs> Solid. <laughs> I put ketchup on my mac and cheese. Yes. Sometimes. It depends. Yeah. It depends on the mac and cheese. Do you ever have sure. it with ranch dressing? Yeah, absolutely not. Oh, I think I would hate that. I'm telling you right now, I, I did it once by mistake. Actually, I shouldn't say by mistake. <laughs> I did it on purpose. but <laughs> And it turned out to be... A game changer for me. I, I I'll do it ran. I'll do it randomly now. I'll just be like, oh, I don't feel like ketchup, so I'll just throw some ranch. People are gonna hear this and say, Randy, you're an idiot. What are you doing? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's ever gonna be tried by me. All right. That well, sounds. Oh, I. Oh. Okay. It would have to be a special day. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll throw it a dare sometime. I'll throw it. A, yes. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next one. Biggest thing you miss at Louisiana Tech. Ooh, biggest thing I miss at Louisiana Tech, my teammates. Yeah. Um, I loved it there so much. Tech has, like, I have such good fond memories of Tech um, and just the people I played with and their families and how they took me in and how everyone treated me like family. Um, Southern hospitality is no joke. And I I genuinely miss every single person that I played with. And yeah, I, I miss them a lot. Awesome. Yeah. Walk off home run or game saving catch? Probably walk off home run. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, <laughs> that's like a feeling like no other. Like I, I love, I love defense. Don't get me wrong. I love a good defensive play, but my, I would say my love and my passion is for hitting and like understanding hitting mechanics. Mm. So for me, that feeling of like when you connect with one, it's just it, you can't describe it. It's unmatched. Yeah, I've been I've been a pitcher my whole life, and even <laughs> I I say a walk off home run like. Perfect. It's just awesome. Yeah. It's it's just you can't, yeah. Uh if you could go anywhere on in the world on vacation, where is it? Um, I really want to go to New Zealand. I think that'd be really interesting. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Oh. I we have such a big following down New Zealand too, actually, with the podcast, which I Yeah, for sure. And big that. like big softball place. So, yeah. you know, I think I would love it there. I think it just seems really interesting to me and obviously gorgeous landscapes and stuff. So yeah. that's definitely high on my list. Right on. Uh, why number 13? Um, that's actually a funny story. So I, when I went to school, um, I was 15 at my JUCO mm-hmm. and kind of stuck with that. I was never really connected to any type of number. Um, I bounced around from like 28 to 10 to 14 in high school to kind of whatever was available. I really didn't mind that much. And then I went to school. I was, I was 15 when I transferred to Louisiana tech, they said, you know, we don't have 15, but we have 14. Is that okay? And I was like, yeah, sure. Sounds good to me, whatever. Um, so I actually have the number 14 tattooed on my body. 
<laughs> and I, when I went to work for the Dodgers, they asked me the same thing. What number would you like on the back of your coach's jersey? And I said, 14 would be, be, would be great. I would love 14. They're like, okay, cool. And then halfway through my first year, they retired Gil Hodge's number, which is 14. Right. So they said, Joe, you're going to have to pick a different number. So I said, okay, cool. I'll go to 15. So I changed my jersey to 15. And then with the national team, uh, 14 wasn't available because that's Janet's number. So they said, we have 13, we have 72, or we have six. And I was like, well, the closest thing is probably 13. Um, and um, with baseball national team, they just kind of handed it to me last year. They said, Harry, this is 13. So I thought I would keep it consistent. We're 13 for both baseball and softball. And it kind of just happened like that. But I'm a big fan. I think I'm going to stick with 13 and maybe kind of form some connection to it. But, um, oh, you know, a lot yeah, of people think it's, it's a lot of people think it's unlucky. But for hey, for you, yeah, for me, lucky. it's definitely lucky. Yeah. For me, it's definitely lucky. I'll take it. Absolutely. Uh, next one here. You can have dinner with three people living or dead. Who are they? This one's usually a tough one. Ooh, it is a tough one. I would say, uh, Megan Rapino for all of her work in gender equality and pay in the U S soccer federation. Um, all her work with LGBTQ plus youth and like representation in media. Um, I would probably go, her fiance, Sue Bird, one of the best basketball players of all time. Right. Um, and I would probably go Billie Jean King. Ooh, what a trio. Some heavy hitters, there some heavy go. hitters in the women's sports space. But yeah, I think I would just, I would just shut my mouth and listen. Like, yeah, exactly. Kind of right. Take, <laughs> take in as much as I possibly can from them. And, and yeah, I would have so many questions. I think oh. that'd be the longest dinner of all of our lives. Um, but yeah, that, I'm confident in those three. That's my choice nice, for sure. Nice. Yeah, yeah. You say you'd be quiet and shut your mouth, but yet I have so many questions that I want to ask. <laughs> I would ask it, then I would just like viciously start taking notes. Yeah. And be like, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, go to show to binge watch. Ooh, go to show to binge watch. I'm a huge fan of Heartstopper on Netflix. Um, I think it's absolutely adorable. I never heard of it. It is. So it's like a cute little um, like coming of age story about um, these two boys that like basically fall in love in high school. And mm-hmm. it's just adorable. And I love it. OK, well, I'm writing yeah. this down because yeah. I asked this question to uh, Nicole Mendez and mm-hmm. she threw the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Ooh. And I became obsessed with it. I loved that show after she mentioned it. I now I'm just waiting for that next season. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, yeah, I've never seen that one either. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, a few more here. On a scale of one to 10, with 10 being great, rate your karaoke skills. Oh, probably like a three. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would put on a show for sure, but oh, the tune yeah. would not be carried. The oh, tune wow. would be dropped and left on the floor, but I would, I would definitely be selling it to the crowd for oh, sure a lot go there's a sure. lot there's a lot that goes with gamesmanship so i mean you could get some more points that way right that's very true yeah the singing nobody would come for the singing but the performance <laughs> for sure would would even it out oh uh, yeah uh two more here harder pitcher to hit nope not pitcher harder pitch to hit rise ball or breaking ball oh um. Probably a rise ball. Yeah. Oh, the rise ball gets everybody. Like at one point or another, it'll get everybody. That's right. <laughs> is, is it tough in baseball? Like I've never faced a, like uh, to this day, I've never stood in the box and faced a baseball in my life. I, I would love to, but 
I just have not. And it's weird. I'm yeah. 45 years old and you think I would have, but I haven't. So it, what's it like That's being in the box with like having a different movement on the ball? Right. I think baseball, it's a little more consistent of like, it's coming from a down angle. So it's not breaking. It can't break all four planes. Like it can't right. go up, down, in and out. Like it's kind of working like flat as a fastball or like cutting one plane or maybe even two like curveballs, whatever. But yeah, it's coming from a sa the same spot, but it can only go to one place. You know, it can only go down with the angle of the mound. So right. like with softball, it can go any which way at any which time at any which speed. So Honestly, like for me, comparatively going from women's baseball to women's softball, like women's softball is so much harder to hit just because there's so many more combinations that can happen. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Last one here. I, I know the answer to this, but um, who's winning <laughs> next year's World Series? The Los Angeles Dodgers. No wonder they are. Easy money Freak. on that one. My goodness. Yeah, talk about money. They are spending it. They are spending it and they better win. Oh they better my. win for everybody. I'm the biggest Jays fan there is. I was so disappointed with Otani because yeah. I thought he was on that private jet coming to Toronto. <laughs> I knew the whole time. Yeah, I, I know. Of course I you was did. Saying it. I was saying it the whole time. I said, there's no way he's staying in L.A. He's staying in L.A. and wearing Dodger blue. And nobody believed me because they wanted to they wanted the Jays thing to be so true. And I yeah. said, nope, sorry about that. I, I truly <laughs> believe there's no way he's leaving the area code. Nah. But anyway. Then you sign him. Then you get Glasnow and 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 Yamamoto right. and Glasnow, Margot, Yamamoto. Yeah, yeah. No, that's gonna be that's gonna be a dangerous ball club. For I guess sure. it is. And then Otani yeah. goes and defers his contract till like yeah, that was genius actually. Like yeah, can't even yeah, be mad playing, about that. He's playing check for sure. He's not playing checkers. He's playing chess. That's smart. Actually, smart. Yeah. Oh yeah. As much as yeah. it pisses me off, I'm still it's smart. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, let's uh, let's get on to your career. Let's uh, tell us how uh, you got your start in the game. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I It was kind of natural just to hop into softball when I was old enough. Uh, my brother and dad played baseball growing up. They're both catchers. So it was as soon as I was able to, you know, be on the field, I was playing softball. And then as soon as I was able to skate, I was playing hockey. So um, just kind of a natural thing. I played in Red Deer, Alberta growing up. Um as soon as I could play travel ball, I played travel ball. I was just super interested in softball in general. I just loved it. It was like took up my whole summer as soon as it possibly could. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, played throughout high school, um, ended up moving to Manitoba in my grade 12 year. Um, so played high school as well as travel ball there. Um, got recruited to go play at a JUCO in Iowa. I went to Iowa Western Community College for two seasons. Um, really enjoyed my time there also. I loved Iowa Western, uh, probably my favorite place on the planet. Um, and then from there, I actually transferred to the University of Buffalo. Um, I went there for about three, four months, just didn't didn't really jive with me as a player. Uh, the program was just not kind of what I saw for myself. Um, and so I transferred out in November of 2018 to go to Louisiana Tech. Um, it just kind of so happened that they lost a first baseman lefty hitter. And so they needed one. Um, so I, I bounced down to Louisiana in the fall of 2018. Played three seasons there, um, got an extra one due to COVID. And then, yeah, just just enjoyed my time in college, loved playing college softball. From there, I played, um, as you mentioned before, I played with the Wheat City Whiskey Jacks in the Expedition League for a summer of men's baseball summer ball. Uh, from then, I went to the Netherlands to play professional softball for the summer 
Um, and then after that, I went back to tech, was the volunteer assistant coach at tech, was training down there for the Canadian national team. That's when I get the call to work for the Dodgers. So I, I moved to Arizona in March of 2022, spent two seasons there while also training and trying to make both the baseball and softball national teams. That kind of shook out for me this summer. Um, I made both teams and was able to compete at a high level at both the World Cup and Pan Am Games. Um, and then, yeah, went from the World Cup in Italy to the World Cup in Thunder Bay for baseball. And so that's kind of where I'm hanging out now is training, um, trying to play as much as I possibly can for as long as I possibly can. And, yeah, really seeing how how I can make a, a career of this softball baseball thing. Well, you just went through my whole two pages of notes there. So, OK, the podcast's <laughs> over. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, I just, I just wanted your start, but hey, we just went through yeah. the whole thing. But hey, we're we're gonna elaborate off each of one of those ones that you just right, mentioned yeah. right now. That was just a spark. That was, notes, just exactly. A little, little touch of <laughs> yeah, everything. That's just a a preview of what's to come. <laughs> Right. If you only listen to a small portion of the podcast, let it be that. That's all you need to know about me. That's right. We're done. Yeah, just listen to that and then we'll wrap it up at the end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, God. Oh, where do I go from here? Okay. So, um, actually, what, doing my notes, I, you know, I come across a bunch of stuff. Wasn't mm -hmm. your, was your first love dance? Wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So for those, like the people who know me know that I'm super passionate. I'm super loud. I'm very outgoing. I'm, I'm that person like, that's like always kind of chatting away. And, you know, I, I, I make my presence well known, you know what I'm saying? Yep. So for me, like I, I started dancing really young. I think I was like four when I started doing dance. Um, and I kind of stuck with that also. Like I did tap jazz ballet like all of that stuff growing up. Um, I actually spent my eighth grade year in Europe with my dad. Um, he was a hockey coach at this international academy. And so me and my brother went with him and my brother obviously played hockey, but I wasn't playing hockey at that time anymore. I had quit when I was like 10. Mm -hmm. um, and so I had to do something to be enrolled at this international sports school. And so they said, yeah, you have to do dance, basketball or track and field. And so I said, well, basketball, I'm not really good at. So I'm probably not going to do that one. Uh, track and field. I am the slowest runner you'll ever see. <laughs> so also no. Um, so I stuck with dance uh for a little bit longer i then quit when i was 13 when i moved to calgary so just kind of stuck with the softball and the high school sports but yeah i danced for probably a solid nine ten years of my life um and i loved it it was amazing and i i really credit it to like the balance and body positioning awareness that i have now right. um i learned that like doing ballet with my russian ballerina instructor like those types of things really helped me out. So yeah, I was, I was a dancer first. Oh, it was a Russian ballerina teacher. Yeah. So she was a Russian ballet teacher in Austria. Oh, ballet. So I said ballerina. She, <laughs> My bad. Yeah. 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 No, you're fine. So did I. Um, so she would like yell at us in German and then the girls would translate it to English to me. <laughs> But most of the time she was just yelling like that she was angry or we weren't doing things correctly or we weren't pointing our toes properly. And so the girls would just look at me and go, it's okay. You don't need to know. <laughs> so, yeah, I spent, I spent, yeah, the better part of nine months, two hours, two hours on Monday, Wednesday, Friday nights doing wow. Russian ballet with, with Frau Uzmanova. Wow. Let's yeah. Talk. What a name. That was in Austria, right? That, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, yeah. I just picture a, like a, a Russian ballet teacher just being like hardcore, yeah. just being like, 
yeah. yelling and just strict. Oh, yeah. She was scary, but she was all of like five feet. Like oh. she would just oh, really? <laughs> absolutely lay into us, but she was the tiniest little lady, but she was terrifying. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. So when, so at what point did you start taking softball seriously? Um, I would say I played travel ball as soon as I possibly could, but taking it seriously in terms of wanting to play on the national team and wanting to go to college, I would say when I came home from Europe, I kind of jumped in full go. Okay. I would say I was 13, 14 at the time. Um, I would go in early to my high school gym, set up a net and hit some tea before school. Um, I got extra lessons. Like I just, I started to really want to invest my time into softball when I got back. Um, I think it's just because when I was over in Europe, I didn't have a lot of time for softball. And I definitely felt that kind of gap in my life of like, oh, there's this thing that I really like to do and I don't get to do it as often. So now I'm going to jump into it. That's when dance kind of, kind of ended for me. Right. Um, and so I, yeah, I jumped, I jumped full go into the softball thing. And that was, that was kind of my thing from then on. And you were a pitcher too, as well. I was, I pitched for most of my life. Um, I pitched up until probably my junior year of college, um, which unfortunately I broke my leg in April of my junior year. Uh, so okay. didn't get to finish out that season. And it was the leg that I broke was my plant leg as a pitcher. Yep. So in talking through rehab with my trainer and my coach, we just talked about, we're going to, we're going to rehab back to being a hitter. We're not going to rehab back as much to being a pitcher and planting all of our weight on that foot. Um, so yeah, after that, I kind of just hung it up as a pitcher. Um, when I went overseas, I threw a decent amount. Um, but I would say it's, it's a tool in my toolbox, but it's yep. not, um, it's not as much a primary position for me anymore. Right. Right on. Yeah. So how did your recruiting process go? Cause I, I know ours up here in Canada is quite a bit different than how the girls in the States, you know, playing travel ball goes. How, how, how did yours go anyway? Yeah, mine was, um, it was kind of uneventful. Um, I went out to Canada cup, my senior year of high school, um, the coach, the original coach at Iowa Western that recruited me, I'd never ended up playing for her, but she recruited me. She had coached one of my old teammates, um, just kind of asked around about me and then watched me play a game. Um, from then, I went to visit Iowa Western. At that point, I had gone to the North Dakota State camps, the South Dakota camps, anything that was kind of close to me in Manitoba. Mm -hmm. um, and nothing came from that. It was always a good camp, like a thank you for coming, but no coach ever kind of looked at me a second time. Um, so yeah, I was kind of like, okay, if I want to play division one softball at some point, the Juco route is probably how I'm going to go about that. So I had a couple offers from some division twos in North Dakota, some NAIAs, um, kind of scattered around, but my biggest one was Iowa Western. So I went down on my visit. I loved the campus, uh, loved the coach. And, you know, it was one of my old teammates that I had played for, played with already. So I was going to go back and play with her. Um, so yeah, just felt like a good fit to me. Um, and then, yeah, so I committed to Iowa Western, um, about a couple of weeks later, I get a phone call that the coach that I committed to is not there anymore. So it's now a different coach. He calls me, introduces himself. Seems great. I stay committed there, um, end up going there and playing for him for two seasons. Um, probably got the most out of me, um, as an athlete. Um, he is one of my favorite people I've ever encountered in my entire life. Um, he's a person that I go to for advice still now at 25. Just been career. Um, yeah, this yeah, is okay. Ben Greer. Yeah, he is, he is a one of a kind human being. Um, when I stepped foot on campus and played for him, I was an 18 year old who thought, you know, my shit didn't sink. And I was, I was the best of the best. Um, and he 
had some real tough conversations with me, but really, really got a lot out of me as far as like the potential that he saw and, and how he saw me progressing. Um, I remember we had a conversation right when I first got there and he goes, okay, well, how do you see your career going? Like, where do you want to go from here? And I said, well, I want to play at the world series. And he looked me dead in the eyes and he was like, well, you got some work to do kid. And there, <laughs> wow, are, that's awesome. there are so many ways that coaches could have responded to that of like, well, like maybe we change our expectations or, you know, maybe like one, you're not good enough, yep. but he just looked to me and he was like, okay, well, if that's your goal. Like we got, we got to get to get to work. And I will never forget that conversation. And he like, still to this day, like I talked to him probably if not weekly, monthly, like just to check in, tell him what my plans are. Um, and then he yeah keeps me accountable of like, okay, are you still doing your thing? Um, so yeah, very grateful to, to play for coach. That's awesome. Um, and then, yeah, with Juco, it's kind of interesting. You go through the recruiting process basically twice because you have to recruit in and then you have to recruit out. So for me, um, I, it was January of my sophomore year. I was stressed out. I didn't know if I was going to have a home to go to after my second year was up. So I visited a really, really good D2 in West Virginia. And then I visited um, Division One school, University of Buffalo um, in upstate New York. Right. Um, so I go there and same thing, the coach that I uh, was recruited by and then committed to, um, then left to go to a different school. So from then I was like, okay, I don't really know how this is going to go. Um, I went there for the coach. He was a high level coach. He had worked at Oregon. He'd worked at Washington. Um, now has been at Virginia, Louisiana Lafayette. So high level coach. And I was excited to play for him. Um, and so it didn't really shake out the way that I wanted it to. Um, so from there I had to continue to get recruited to continue to, Pop in the transfer portal, um, talk to schools, be able to go from Buffalo to a situation that kind of fit me a little bit better. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, and then I went I went to tech based on purely coincidence that Ben, Coach Ben, had a other coach friend that had sent a first baseman who was a lefty hitter to tech. Didn't really jive with her either. So she ended up leaving. So there was the hole that I could potentially transfer into. So just friend of a friend knowing people, um, I eventually got to Louisiana Tech. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Actually, I, I do. I have a question about the difference between JUCO and D1. Obviously sure. there is stuff, but I, I just want to ask something about uh, between your freshman season at Iowa and your sophomore, like, cause I mean, you went from hitting 378, which is awesome, but then you like bloomed to 488. Was there something that you worked on between seasons to make that big jump or, you know, do you attribute it that to Ben Greer helping you out? Um, I, I give all the credit to coach Greer, yeah. like everything. Um, he, he, he really showed me what hard work was. Um, I thought I was a hard worker. I would show up to practice and work my tail off. I would go to weights and work my tail off, but there was nothing in between those times. I wasn't doing any extra. And so I think we together, like figured out what hard work looks like. Okay. Um, and the thing with Juco is there's no, there's no time restriction. So I can hit with him at 9am if I want to, and then I can hit with him again at noon and then I can go to practice. Then I can hit with him again if I want to. And, and at that point, um, he has two children now, but he didn't have any kids before. So his time was a little bit more freed up. So we would hit every single morning at 9am before my classes. And he took that extra time because he knew what I wanted to do with the sport and where I wanted to go. Um, so yeah, I say like coach Greer, I owe everything to coach Greer, every commit, every accomplishment, everything that I do in my life. I really, I really learned so much from him, like as a human being. Um, but it was, it was really just a mindset shift that we worked through. Um, the summer between my freshman and sophomore year, I played with the junior national team, um, at the world championships in Florida. And I was kind of the bubble kid. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I barely made the team. And then once I was on the team, I didn't really start that often. Um, I started more towards the end of the tournament, but I was DHing this game and then I would sit and then I would play left field for a couple innings and then I would sit. And so I kind of realized then that that's not who I wanted to be. I didn't want to be the bubble kid. I wanted to be in the lineup every single day, making an impact, helping my team win. I wanted to be that player. Um, so having that experience of playing internationally, playing against Mexico, Puerto Rico, like all those different teams at such a high level, for me, it was like, this is where I want to be. It opened my eyes up to kind of the potential that was in front of me of like, I can either work my tail off and continue playing at high levels or be satisfied with where I'm at and have a decent college career. Um, so it kind of jumpstarted me. It opened my eyes and kind of kicked me in the butt of like, okay, if you're just going to work hard to practice, you're going to be a good player at a Juco. But if you figure your stuff out and work hard at everything at all times, do your extra work, go to the gym extra. Um, you can actually be a good player in, in general, like in, international ball play on the national team that type of thing um so yeah that's kind of that's kind of my shift it was more in my head I had the skill set um I did put in a lot of time to be able to trust my skills once the game started but it was mostly I'm gonna step in the box and I'm gonna make something happen and there's nothing anybody can do about it because of my mindset right on how big is the mental game for you Oh, it's massive. It's absolutely massive. I think the mental game can take an average player to be elite and it can take an elite player skill set wise and just turn them average if they let the mental game seep into everything else and just snowball. Um, I kind of saw that this summer of, you know, if I let one at bat turn into two, three, four, now it's a game. Now it's two games, three games, four games. I'm now not contributing for my team. I'm not helping anybody win. Um, that can really start to affect you mentally and it starts to affect your play, regardless of how much talent you have, how much skill that you mm-hmm. can bring to a team. If you can't perform in a moment, if you can't figure out how to stay locked in and, and mentally be in your, in your cleats, in your shoes, like where you're at right then, then it's almost, it's almost, it's almost useless. Right. right. So I think the mental game is, is massive. Like you can work on your skill set as much as you want to, but if you can't show up, be present in those moments and really take the execution that needs to happen and just go with it. It's really, it's really a useless set of skills. Yeah, for sure. I think that's something that, uh, you know, the younger, younger players should be focused on, you know, a little bit more, you know, I mean, of course at the elite level, that's something you should already be invested in. But I, I think that the, like, like the younger ones, like, you know, 17 to, to 20, that's something they should definitely be putting on the top of their agenda, you know, to focus on. Oh, I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. I think that is like, it should be almost, if not 50% of your training, like I think it should be, if you do an hour of hitting off of a tee, you do an hour of mental training. Like I think yep. it's, it's so imperative for you to be able to slow your mind, slow your breathing and be in a moment to then be able to perform with the skills that you've worked on. I think it's just, it's, it can't be, it can't be overstated how important the mental side of the game is, especially baseball, softball. Yep. Absolutely. So back to, I mentioned this earlier, I was going to ask about the, what's the biggest difference between Juco and D1? Obviously the, the pitching's probably primary, right? Yeah. I would say like every, every ace at division one is like an insanely elite pitcher. Right. You, I think you have a little bit more parity in Juco, like comparatively to the best teams, like the Chipolas and the Florida Southwesterns versus like the bottom level teams. I think it's just a wider gap of, you know, the better teams are 
throwing gas every single day. It is, you know, your best team, your best game all the time. Um, when you go to division one, it's, it's like that it's everyone's throwing their best at you and it's high level softball. Um, the pitching is great. The hitting's great. The defense is great. Um, I think there's just like a wider range of teams in the Juco level, but yeah, in division one, there's no days off. There's no easy games. There's no, uh, like you can't take any team lightly in any aspect. You have to show up every single day and any team can beat any other team at any given time. So you really, it really is a focus thing. It's a, it's a showing up thing. You can't take anybody lightly. Like they're going to throw their all at you. And all division one teams are damn good softball teams. Absolutely. 100%. So what are some of the big memories that you have from your time at Louisiana tech? Um, I think the biggest one for me, and it's kind of, it's kind of bittersweet because my junior year, we end up winning the conference championship. We go to a regional at Louisiana state and I was on the sideline. I was, I was in my little boot. I had broken my leg. So I'm just scooting around. I'm on the injured list. Like I'm just happy to be there. Excited to cheer on everybody. Oh, that so, sucks though. That sucks. It, though. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, like I do wish I could have been on the field and winning that championship with that team. But in, in the core of who I am, I'm so happy for the seniors that we had on that team. Oh yeah. We yeah. had, we had five core girls that had given their all to LaTeX, had broken records there, had been player of the years there. Um, and to just have them go out on such a high note, it literally is giving me chills right now talking about it. Um, it's just like, I, there's no better people that deserved that moment to be able to celebrate and walk away being the champion of our league. Um, so for that, like, I wish I could have been a part of it. Absolutely. I was a part of it in a small way. And throughout the year, like I made my teammates better on the field, even if I was injured at the end of it. But yeah. it, it is one of those things I just, I just can't, I can't, I can't stop thinking about how important it was for them to be able to leave it out on the field, to give their all. Um, they were just so talented and they gave so much to the university and to the softball program. So that is one of my favorite moments is just like the final out on the, University of Alabama, Birmingham field, like that moment, just of like pure joy of like they did it and we, we did it for them and we did it with them. Um, that's something I, I, I will forever remember. Oh, that's fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, a lot, you know, a lot of people would have said something individually, but you know, the fact that you're using <laughs> the, the team aspect and you weren't even playing, mm -hmm. you know, it goes to show what kind of character you have. It's true. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. It was just like, I, I, I think we all cried. Like there were all tears of joy just to be able to say like, we gave our all for you guys. We wanted to end on a bang for you. That was the same season that we lost our softball field to a tornado, like two weeks before senior weekend. So no way. Really? Senior weekend. Yeah. They didn't even get their senior weekend on our field. So we had it at a different field. Oh. Um, and yeah, we ended up sweeping Western Kentucky for the, um, our last senior weekend. And yeah, it just, it was just a special, a special year, a special group and yeah, a special moment to be able to win that with them and for them. Fantastic. Fantastic. So when did baseball come into onto the map for you? 
<laughs> that's also a funny story, to be honest. Um, I love funny stories. So, yeah. 20, so 2018, I'm home from college. I'm in between going from Iowa Western to Buffalo at the time. And I honestly am just like, what do I do with my summer? Um, I'm working a summer job. I don't really have a lot of softball to play. Uh, in Manitoba, there's not really much after you graduate out, after you're done with U19. Um, you kind of just, you know, play women's ball every once in a while. You help the younger girls get ready for nationals and Westerns and you play games here and there in like a ladies league. But I wanted like games all the time. Um, so I was just kind of like bored hanging out. Um, my dad gets a phone call from my one of his really good friends, someone he's played ball with for years, um, small town Manitoba. He was also my volleyball coach in high school. Um, so gets a phone call. He goes, hey, do you and my brother Zach and Zoe want to go play in this uh, baseball tournament? And so it's the Clearwater Tournament. It happens on um, Canada Day every single year. It's a big fundraiser and they always go. They always bring their senior ball team. And so they were running out of bodies. So they were like, yeah, we'll call Al, uh, my dad, and we'll get all three Hickses to come play with us. And so my brother was like, nah, like I'm, I got plans. I'm, I'm busy. He had like a wedding or something. So I was like, sure. Like I'll go, I'll go, I'll go hang out. I've never hit a baseball in my life, but you know, I could, I could probably figure it out. Like not thinking anything of it. It wasn't really a serious tournament. So I wasn't too stressed out. Like, you know, my, the whole team was probably going to be drinking a couple beers. So I didn't really mind. I was just hanging out. Um, so I, um, I'm hanging out there. I'm playing right field, um, trying to hit a baseball, you know, just having a good time. And the, um, pitching coach for team Manitoba, the women's program is at this same tournament because the women's team was playing in the tournament in a different division. And so he comes over and he's watching me play. And I think I ground out to second base and he's like over talking to the manager and he's like, who is that? Where does she play? You know, what, program does she play for blah 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 and the manager was like well she's a softball player she doesn't really play baseball and so after the game was over he comes over to me and says hey like do you want to play baseball you can come out to a couple of our practices see how you feel um see if you like it blah 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 and so I end up going to a couple practices with the women's program in Manitoba um I was absolutely terrible like I don't know what they saw in me I kept kicking baseballs because I expected them to hop differently um and I like couldn't hit anything like I was just I was just not good at all and so at the end of the one practice he's like yeah do you want to come to nationals with us like it's here in Stonewall it's just like an hour from here not a big deal and I'm like Sure. Like, that sounds great. Like, I'm not really doing much this summer. So I end up playing 2018 with the uh, Team Manitoba. Uh, we went to the 21U Women's Nationals um, and I ended up hitting really well. Um, I got a hitter of the tournament that year. So nice. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I guess I can hit a baseball. Like, that sounds great. Um, so I from then, I just kind of every time I was home for the summer from college, uh, the softballs went away and the baseballs came out. So I played every summer with them. And then, um, last summer got picked up to play with the national team at, um, in Thunder Bay. And then, um, yeah, this year, the same thing. That's crazy. That's yeah. It was just kind of like a fluke situation of the right place at the right time in front of the right people. So, yeah. So, well, how did the expedition league all happen then? So that was, that was me. Um, so okay. (laughs) after, after college, I really didn't have much going on. Um, I knew I didn't want to hang them up. I knew I wanted to keep training to be able to play on the national team. So I sent a couple emails. Um, the Whiskey Jacks were originally supposed to be out of Brandon, Manitoba. That's a sick is, name, by the way. Sure. Sick name, sick jerseys. They had this like baby blue combo. Yes. Like, it was really nice. So nice. Um, yeah. So anyway, they were supposed to be out of Brandon, Manitoba, which is an hour from my hometown. So 
I was home for the summer. I said, great, I'll play a little baseball. I'll get to hang out with my family. Um, it'll be no big deal. Awesome. So I emailed the GM. I said, Hey, this is my story. This is who I am. This is what I want to do. Um, is there any way we can make something work? So I end up having a couple of phone calls with both the coaches and the GM. They say, yep, we'll absolutely do this. Let's do it. And then because of COVID, the Whiskey Jacks got moved from Brandon to Grand Forks, North, North Dakota. So at that point I was like, yeah, sure. I'm already in. Like I've already, I've already committed. Like I'll go. I lived at a host family, um, in North Dakota and I played, yeah, most of the summer in the expedition league with the Whiskey Jacks. That's awesome. So uh, how was that experience? I mean, that's, that's a, you know, that's a pretty big step. Definitely. Yeah. I, I didn't really, I didn't really think about that before I involved myself in it. Um, I was like, Oh, like I'll just be playing. It'll just be, it'll, it'll be fun. But yeah, it was playing and traveling and hanging out with, you know, a whole bunch of boys during the summer. And yeah, it was great. Like the boys were all awesome. Um, they all were great to me, treated me really well, um, stuck up for me when other teams were, you know, talking smack across the field. Um, and yeah, like just like we, we shared experiences. We learned from each other. Um, we yeah hit ground balls to each other, hit BP to each other, like that type of thing. We just, nice. we just kind of hung out and played baseball. Um, I, I, yeah, I really enjoyed my time. It was, it was a big challenge for me. Like there were some guys throwing some, some heavy fastballs, but um, yeah, it was, it was a good, it was a good experience for me to grow and kind of get out of my comfort zone. Right. Uh, I really didn't know where, where my career was going at that point. So it was almost just like throwing stuff at the wall to see what stuck. And, and for me, like that was a big, it was a big growth summer, um, yeah. being there. Now, do you guys use wooden bats in that lake? Yes. Yeah. We How was that? Did. It was, it was good. I broke, I broke one, uh, in game. <laughs> um, but no, it was fun. I had, um, I had used wooden bats with my senior ball team back home before. So it wasn't really, um, that big of a transition, but definitely for a lot of the guys, it was a transition because they'd gone from college where they swung right. metal bats to wooden bats also. So it was kind of all of us going through it at the same time. Obviously I think it's a big thing cause I've never done it in my life. <laughs> the it fact, is a little different. You know, the like, fact I'm asking feels... you about a wooden bat right now, like yeah, it, this guy's never feels, used one. <laughs> it feels different coming off the bat for sure. Like I just picture vibrating a lot. Like, does it? Yeah, uh, it, it definitely, it definitely hurts a little bit more than, yeah. uh, than our, than a composite. So I'll build that. I bet. I bet. Yeah. So tell us about take the field. I'm guessing this is how your opportunity with the Dodgers all came about. Was it not? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I love the take the field program. I think it's an amazing opportunity to get more women involved in baseball. Um, so yeah, take the field is created by the MLB um, just for that, to get more women involved. So I had known about the program for a couple of years and, um, during COVID they were doing an online edition of just seminars and stuff like that because nobody could travel and it's normally a convention. So you would fly to the spot and hang out and network, meet a bunch of people and learn about, you know, how to get involved. But it actually worked out really well for me because I was still in college. So I didn't have the opportunity to travel anyways. So, um, it being on zoom was kind of like the golden opportunity. So I hopped on there, did the three, four days of, uh, zoom calls and sessions and networking opportunities. I put in my resume, my experience, who I am, what I do, what I'm interested in, in the game of baseball. Um, and then all of that information went into a database for the clubs to then pull from. So that's kind of how I'm assuming everything went down with the Dodgers was there was a technology job open. They went to the take the field um, database to get good resumes that they thought would be successful in this role. And so, yeah, I get an email 
in late January of 2023, uh, ask, or 2022, and asking if I want to uh, interview for this role um, with them at their minor league complex. And yeah, I interviewed and got the job then. Holy shit. That's amazing. Like, so, so what exactly, what, what exactly is your role? For sure. Yeah. So my, my title was baseball technology associate. Um, so I worked with a lot of the technology stuff. So the track man, the Hawkeye, all the virtual reality headset stuff, um, all that technology and all the analytics that come from the technology get sent to me. And then I kind of read through it, understand what it says, and then give it to the coaches in like a baseball language, um, of like, Hey, your guy can't hit a slider or your guy's slider is not very good. Like, you know what I mean? So yep. they can then use their baseball insight and experience, like some of them in the big leagues to be able to then help their, their players get better. Um, so I was kind of like the go between with the data and the coaching staff. That's awesome. That's yeah. Freaking awesome. So you were at, like, I saw a picture, you were spring training and whatnot with the, is that the what's the group you're with the Arizona complex league. Is that what? It yeah, is? yeah. 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 So I was involved in spring training and then when everyone goes out to their affiliates, I stay in Arizona and I'm with the Arizona complex league. And then once everyone's seasons are over and everyone comes back for instructs and fall league, then I'm involved with everybody again. But yeah, I'm based in Arizona for most of the time. Cool. That's so amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. It really is. It's funny that, you know, the fact that, you know, COVID was such a terrible thing, but I mean, realistically, if, if it wasn't for COVID, that opportunity may not have presented it. Like you probably wouldn't have went to the convention, right? If it wasn't, if it hadn't been a zoom. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I I say the same thing. Like this podcast would not exist if COVID never happened. And that's a fact. So I, yeah, I agree. I think, I think COVID was a terrible thing and everyone, everyone went through a really hard time. Um, and obviously like super insanely tragic and a lot of people were affected by it. Um, but yeah, I think, I definitely think the world is different now because of it. Some Mm -hmm. ways better, um, some more opportunities. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely worked out in my favor in this specific instance. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so I got to talk about the Canadian national team for softball. Cause I mean, we're a softball podcast. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) It would be silly if we did not talk about this. (laughs) So Walk us through getting on that team. Cause I mean, you were pretty sure you weren't even making it by the regional ID camp, correct? A hundred percent. Yes. So wild. (laughs) yeah, the summer, so the summer of 2022, when I originally got the Dodgers job, I had decided to walk away from the game of softball. I would play baseball in the summer just due to the time commitments. I couldn't see myself doing both just because softball is, you know, a six to eight week season in the summer. Yeah versus the women's baseball program is like maybe one to two weeks just based on funding and availability and everything like that. So I kind of, yeah, like made my choice. Um, it was really hard. It, It didn't sit right with me, but at the time, yeah, it was a dream job. I had to make some decisions. I had to change a little bit. Um, so yeah, I walked away in 2022 and just played baseball. Um, and then come November of 22, I look back and say, i I, I'm not done on the softball field. I'm not content being finished with that part of my life. Um, so yeah, that's when I really ramped up my training. Um, I was working at the complex for 12 hours a day, sometimes during spring training and then staying after to lift and hit and work out. So it was definitely a struggle. Um, it was definitely a really hard time because I didn't even know if I was getting closer. I didn't even know if I was a sniff within the national team roster. I had no idea. So I was kind of just 
doing all that I could, um, working as hard as I possibly could to be able to say at the end of the day, if I don't make it like that's, that's all that I could do. Um, but yeah, I really had no idea. So I, uh, booked my flight to go to Calgary. So I fly from Phoenix to Calgary. I drive from Calgary to Saskatoon, um, stay the night in Saskatoon and then do the regional ID camp on the Sunday. Um, and I left that camp thinking I just blew my shot. There's no way they're going to call me back. That was awful. Like I, I don't know if it was cause I was hard on myself or I just didn't see myself being there. I don't know what, but I was pretty convinced on my drive home from Saskatoon that I was, I was done. Softball had decided that it was, it was over and I was, I was finished. And so I wasn't super happy with how my ID camp went. Um, and then I get a, a text from Raf saying, Hey, yeah, we're going to invite you to the second one. Um, and obviously I'm super relieved. I'm ready to go. Uh, there was about four weeks between the regional camp and the, uh, callback camp or like the main camp, right. um, in Ontario. And so I was like, okay, cool. If I wasn't happy with that, I really gotta, I really gotta get to work. So yeah, I spent that four weeks, um, absolutely like doing as much as I possibly could throughout the day and with my training and everything with my nutrition, like I was, I was really like going hard with everything. Um, and then, yeah, I show up to, uh, the week camp in Ontario. Um, I end up making the roster there and, um, yeah, spent the whole summer with softball Canada. Talk us about the, you know, having that chat with Raf about, you know, making the team. Cause I mean, that had to be friggin' emotional for you. Oh yeah. I cried immediately. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. I, <laughs> I started sobbing immediately, like to a point where I walked out of the meeting room and one of my teammates thought I got cut because I was sobbing so hard. <laughs> I like, it just, I was just over, I was so overwhelmed with all the emotions and all the work that had, had been put in and all the times in my career, like being at JUCO saying, I want to play for team Canada and then transferring one. I want to play for team Canada and then walking away from softball mm. and still saying, I want to play for team Canada and, and hearing those words from RAF of we're going to take you for the summer. We're going to get, you're going to, you're on both rosters. Um, I just like, couldn't handle it. Um, I just was so awesome. overwhelmed. Uh, I immediately called coach Greer at, um, uh, at like when I was back in my room, I called him immediately and I was just like, I did it. I made it. And he was like, no way. That's amazing. So yeah, it was, it was definitely overwhelming for sure. Emotional. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, probably one of the, one of the happiest conversations I've ever had in my life. I bet. What was it like putting that yeah. uniform on for the first time? Oh, oh, I, uh, yeah, I, it's, it's hard to describe, honestly. Like it's a, it's, it's a feeling that's just like, it's so, it's so affirming of like, I've done the right things and I've worked in the right ways. I've worked hard to get here. Right. Um, the work's not done by any means, but the work that I have put in has put me on the right track. Um, it's just, it's just really, it's really comforting knowing that, but also like, it's just, it, you're just full of pride to be able to represent your country and to be able to play hard for that across your chest. Yeah. It's really, it's really hard to explain in words. Oh, absolutely. So your, your first tournament would have been the, uh, was that the qualifier for WBSCs next year? Um, yeah. So my first international tournament, yes, would, would have been the world cup in Italy. Italy, The world yeah. cup qualifier in Italy. Yeah. yeah. How, like, yeah. I, I, what was it like, you know, getting in there and facing, you know, some of these pitchers that, you know, you wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't say thought you would have got to face before. Cause I mean, oh, no, absolutely not. Would not have thought I got to face before. Absolutely not. Um, 
I was lucky because at Canada Cup, we did face Japan a couple of times. So it wasn't as daunting oh, okay. to okay. face like one of the best teams in the world, right. like number one and two kind of back and forth throughout the last decade. Um, even more than that, like it wasn't as daunting at a World Cup qualifier because we had seen them before and we had played on the same field as them before. Um, but yeah, still like still daunting, like seeing the, all the logos and everyone is so official and there's umps from all over the world. And it's, yeah, it's an insane feeling of like, this is the highest stage. Like this is what you dreamed of. Um, now you just get to play the game. Um, it's, it's a really cool feeling, but I'm a competitor. So I want always want to go beat the pants off whoever I'm playing. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of mix of emotions. How awesome was that Pan Am silver? Oh, we got bronze at Pan Am's. I, that's what I meant. I meant. Yeah, no, you're totally fine. You're I, totally fine. I know. What, um, I know it's bronze. I'm Canadian. Come on. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> you know what's sad though? I'm looking at my notes and I actually wrote down silver for some reason. Ooh, that's uh, okay. That's all right. I know. That's, that was kind of our expectation walking in. I think. <laughs> I think the bronze. We're excited to bring something home. Absolutely. Um, we're excited to represent in that way, being one of the top three at Pan Am's. Um, for us, like we're never satisfied. So we want. We wanted to walk away with the silver. We wanted to walk away with the gold. Like yep. we went in with super high expectations. We always want to compete and we always want to win. So, I mean, for us, like, yes, we're excited that we can, we can like hack it with Mexico and all them and, and play us in a really good game and play Puerto Rico in a really good game. Like we are happy walking away from that, but I don't think we're ever satisfied with anything, but a gold result. So it's amazing. It was an amazing opportunity and an an amazing experience to be at Pan Am's, but I think anything but a gold walking away, we have work to do. I think even walking away with a gold, you have work to do. So it's always like a continual, it's always a continual thing and a continual work in progress. Um, but yeah, it was amazing to be able to bring a medal home for Canada for sure. Absolutely. Actually, I have a, I have a couple questions from, from the Pan Ams. Mm-hmm. I talked to Mo about this on when she was on that. You guys had an epic photo doing the Beatles cross across the crosswalk. That was awesome. Yeah. That was such yeah. a fantastic <laughs> photo. Yep. That was, that was a Morgan Rackle special for sure. Of course she, it was. She choreographed it. She had it all ready. Um, yeah, me, Janet, Mo and Ipo, um, like literally we're standing at the crosswalk and Mo goes, okay, cool. Left foot and go. <laughs> so it was, it was definitely, yeah, we worked for the shot for sure, but oh. needed to, needed to get that one before leaving. That's awesome. And actually yeah. my next question is actually a question because I was kind of intrigued by this because when you, when you had posted on Instagram, you know, your photos from the Pan Ams and everything, and you tagged it, this is probably the coolest thing I've ever done. And that was Morgan Reimer that said that. Please yes. walk me through that. Because, I, absolutely. you know, she's young. Oh, for sure. She's a baby. She's yes. absolutely a baby. Like she, oh yeah, she's, Morgan, Morgan Reimer is, is, I love her so much. She's one of a kind human being. She was interviewed at the Pan Ams by, I believe, a Team Canada media person. And she was quoted saying that and the quote (laughs) made it into the team Canada recap reel from the day on social media. And so we're all watching this video. And then at the end, all you hear is Morgan Reimer say, this is probably the coolest thing I've ever done. (laughs) And I go, that is awesome. I need that. And so I, I borrowed it and I uh, used it for my Instagram caption, but yeah, Morgan Reimer is a young gun for sure. Like she's not even in college. Yeah. How bright her future though. Like, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, like blinding. Like yeah. she is going to be 
an absolute baller. I'm super excited for her to go to Washington. I'm super excited to see what, what she does there at UW. Um, but yeah, just, just a unique human being and just hilarious. Like sometimes you forget just because of how good she is, mm. how young she is. Like she'll go in and carve and she started the USA game and she was like not phased by it. That's so right. like she'll do stuff like that. And then when we're at Pan Am, she's like, yeah, I'm just going to go to the swings for a bit. And so you forget, <laughs> you forget how, like she's still a kiddo, like she's yeah. still in high school. So it's, it's insane to see her you know, performing on such a, a large stage and being on the, in the national team and, and like being a key contributor. So it's, it's wild. It's so interesting to just watch it all play out. Oh, it is. I, and I can't wait to see, you know, what the future holds for her. Cause I mean, you know what Heather, Heather Tarr does with pitchers and at UW, I mean, look 100%. at Danielle, look at, you know, I mean, the list goes on with the list of pitchers that, you know, she's had there and how good they've become i mean morgan yeah. is just gonna thrive in that environment and canada is so lucky you know for the future to have her especially you know, you know looking forward to 2028 in paris i mean it's gonna be awesome a hundred percent and i think heather tar does a really good job with her international pitchers because yes you know she had danielle with team canada gabby playing with the aussies yeah, and then yep. tara Alvello throws for puerto rico and then yeah now morgan with us so i think her understanding of the international game with team usa really benefits those pitchers in college as well as on the international stage when they finish or during the summer so yeah i'm really excited to her for her to go and learn and and be in that environment and yeah and just honestly just carve like yes. she's nasty <laughs> yeah she is 100 she is for sure so before we get to player association here, what's uh, what's the long term goals in the game? You know, both playing and coaching for you. Um, I think for me, my goal has always been to stay in the game as long as possible, whether that's playing or coaching. Um, I just I love it so much. It just fuels me with so much passion. Like it lights my heart on fire. There's nothing in the world that makes me feel the way that being on the field does. Um, so yeah, for me, my goal is to be a key contributor when we go to LA in 2028. Um, and then, yeah, from there, like potentially 2032, like I'm not, I'm not planning on kicking it up anytime soon. Like I, I am here to stay and I, um, I'm bought in with everything softball and everything softball Canada, every, everything baseball Canada. So yeah, for me, um, I'm just trying to be as impactful as I can and help my teams win for as long as I possibly can. And then, yeah, when my body gives out and I'm done doing that, probably I'll, I'll step to the outside of the lines and, and coach a little bit, but yeah, I'm just trying to stay around. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. That's fantastic. Actually, I just thought of a side question from what you just said there. What uh, mm -hmm. has like does softball Canada and so and baseball Canada ever overlap at all for you? Um, I've been lucky and they have not. Oh, okay. um, I believe in the past they have. Um, so that's probably why um, there's not more of, of me that play both of them. Right. Um, just because there has been an overlap. So you kind of have to choose, but this past summer I've been lucky. Um, there was about a week gap between world cup qualifiers for baseball and softball. So I got to go to both, um, this summer, it also lines up that they are offset. Um, so hopefully, there you go. um, hopefully that stays the same. Um, and yeah, there can be more people involved in both. Um, but yeah, I haven't, I haven't had any issues yet. Awesome. That's awesome. All right. We have a thing that we like to end the podcast with called player association. I'm going to, I'm going to throw out some names to you 
and okay. you can talk about them. If you have a funny story, if you have any kind of story, you know, okay. let it fly and uh, we'll go from there. Okay. Sounds good. First one, Epo, Erica Polidori. Epo. So everyone, I think it's funny that everyone calls Epo Epo, but I refuse to just accept nicknames as what they are. I have to like kind of find my own. So instead of Epo, I'll call her Eep. i'll be like running around on the field and i'll be like and she'll just giggle and it's always like i it's just it's just so cute and fun but everyone's like yeah ipo ipo and i'm like that's amazing oh yeah i think that's it for that one that's all i got you cut out on me there for a sec oh sorry no that's all right yeah no that's all i got oh okay (laughs) no that's a good story i mean Connor Eep is hilarious. Uh, actually, another hilarious person from your national team, friend of the show, Larissa Franklin. Oh, God. <laughs> Frank. Larissa Franklin. Frankie, Frankie is hilarious. Frankie is probably one of the funniest people that I know. Um, she's also probably the person on the national team that I've like looked up to the longest, I would say. Um, in college, I used to wear my hair like her um, because I wanted to play on the national team and I wanted to be like her. Um, so yeah, I would do like the one big bubble in my hair and yeah, there, yeah. Frankie's hilarious. I mean, anybody who does fake training videos is, oh my God, she's so, she's so funny. She's so, she's so goofy, like just all the time, but then she'll do this thing where she'll be insanely goofy and just like the weirdest human you've ever seen. And then she'll ask you this really like existential life question and just like let it hang in the air and you're like what 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 are you what are you talking about that's amazing it's wild frankie you're the best (laughs) a couple more here uh another friend of the show just had her on a little bit ago mo morgan rackle morgan rackle when i think of morgan rackle i actually grew up playing against her Um, so when I think of Mo, I think of her as like a nine-year-old with the crazy curly hair and she had a helmet that was airbrushed that said Hollywood across the front. No. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's how I knew her. I wish I had known this for the podcast that we had. Yes. And, uh, so I ended up playing with her for my last year in Alberta. Um, and yeah, just what, like. Also a one of a kind human being. But yeah, I when I think of Mo, I think of her as a small child throwing absolute gasoline. Nobody could touch her at all for like years growing up. Like she literally won provincials like single handed because she just like threw gas. And but yeah, I don't see her as like the teammate I have now. I see her as like a nine, 10 year old with the helmet with Hollywood across the front. That is amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Freaking hell. Uh, yeah. Now she wears Gretzky's number. Like, come yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Mo, you're amazing. Uh, <laughs> and last, but certainly not least, Coach Kaylee Rafter. Rafter. Oh, what do I have about Raf? How intelligent is she? Like, she's. Her, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. It's just sick how smart she is with the game. Yeah. No, 100%. Absolutely. 100%. Um, and also one of the most level-headed people I've ever met in my entire life. Yep. Um, like we'll just, 
yeah, like just like so even keel all the time um, is also hilarious and super goofy um, mm. in like her own type of way. Um, like very dry humor, like very like just like goofy. I don't I don't even know. Like Raph, it's interesting because Raph. My first instance with Raph was at the ID camp and I was basically just like, she's going to cut me right now. Like, there's no way I'm on this team. Like, there's no way. She's just like so like straight face like there's no nothing and then we just start talking the game and i'm like oh my gosh like holy cow mm. like we can just talk talk hitting all day long so yeah no i i i feel insanely like blessed and grateful that i get to learn from the like olympic catcher she's been on the team for years and now is running the show like she is one of the most intelligent people one of the most like caring people. I just, yeah, I'm just like so thankful that I get to be coached by her and be able to experience like how she runs a program and be a part of her program. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything funny. Like it's just like sappy. Oh yeah. I mean, it, I mean, Raf came on like when we first started the podcast in 2020, she was yeah. one of our early guests and, and this was before the Olympics happened. And yeah, I mean, I sat, I could have talked to her for about four hours about ball. We just went back and forth about ball. And it was just such an amazing talk. Like she knows so much about the game. Yeah. Yeah. No, it like, you could just go down a million rabbit holes about whatever like topic you want. And yeah, it's insane. It's insane. It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, that's a good way to end it right there with the awesome. your coach on the national team. Why not? <laughs> Listen, so this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. I mean, it's Christmas time, lots going on, but you know, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to, you know, come on and talk with us. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me on for sure. And let me, let me talk your ear off. Absolutely. Want to wish you uh, <laughs> all the best moving forward, you know, especially with both national teams, all the best in your baseball and softball endeavors. And, you know, we can't wait, wait to see, uh, you know, what happens with you. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait to follow it. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Take care, Zoe. Yeah, thanks. You too. Yo, I finally got the truth from ya It took a bit, yo, recognize wow. The classified was never one to mess around with lies huh. It ain't my nature, total behavior Be opposite, dropping it I'll be the dopest MC rocking it Composer tracks, got your mind in the days And got you wondering how I can flip it every which way Lots of practice Hey yo, class brings tactics That make you bounce around like you and your girl on the mattress Son, I'll stop you in your track with your weak style And you can speak foul, but can you really freak foul? Too many MCs on the mic sound the same It's kinda funny though, cause they're the ones that found the fame So what's I say, about the world and the music business I guess it's all about the bank and how much money's in it And half-life is like half-broke I gotta work the nine to five to put my own records out It ain't a problem, yo, keeps me focused on the mic It makes my skills tight, it feels right to shake the light So I'ma break it for the million MCs speaking raps They never see no money, no fame or no contract And yo, you know most of us won't See a million bucks, most of us will end up broke To me, that's what it ain't about, yo I live for it Hip-hop, what's the best you can give for it?
me for a son Another ten minutes Rapper We're only in the game because it's friends in it Blast your weapons that leave your brain intoxicated If duplicated, I must start this off and instigated So watch yourself Or catch a lyric to that dome in seconds I use my microphone to tear MCs apart in sections I use my mind to amplify the situation needed And put them all together when my destination meet it And now I'm at the spot for sure convinced that it was never both talking it All about rocking it and dropping it From late at night to early morning Rappers on the mic while DJs focus on the core And change, it's got my mental doing flips You come and do this game, think it's easy, y'all can do this So put the mic down, let an empty like me kick it Flipping, ripping, that's how I hit it, ha!